Hello, travelers. Welcome to the Muende Wino podcast, season number two. Muende Wino translates to go well in several Zambian languages and is a blessing on people who are embarking on a journey. The podcast aims to inspire you to explore not just your city, but your country, your continent, and beyond. And in each episode, I speak to people who embody what traveling well means to them. My name is Mazwa, and I am your host. Now, at the time of recording this particular episode, we are um, in lo- where most of us are in countries where they're either lockdown, partial lockdowns, or full lockdowns. Borders have been closed in some countries, and this is because coronavirus has taken over our lives, and in that way, it has affected travel for the foreseeable future. Um, but on the other hand, corona has not dampened our love for travel. And one of the ways that we can travel without leaving the comfort of our houses currently is through the pages of a travel magazine. Um, in that regard, my guest today is Mimi Abaroa. She's the founder of Irin Journal, which is a biannual public print magazine that explores African culture through travel, people, and communities. Hi, Mimi. Welcome to the Mwendoino podcast. Hi, Mazuba. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you're very welcome. Now, can you, um, to start us off, could you tell myself and the listeners um, what was the inspiration behind starting um, Irene? Um, when did you get the idea? Um, do you have a background in writing or have you worked in magazines before? Like, when did you get the idea for starting Irene? Okay, so um, Irene is actually, it's a Yoruba word for the walk, travel, and it's the prefix for journey, which is Iriajo. I just had the vision, which is what Irene's journal stands for, an African culture magazine. And I remember I was younger then, I started reading and collecting magazines. At first, it was the usual teen magazine, while well, I just cut it up, you know, my favorite celebrities creating collages and posters. Mm-hmm. But one day, I was in London in school, and I stumbled upon Serial magazine. I had never seen anything like it before. It was so beautiful. It was so strong. Like, it was art. Mm-hmm. And from that day, I started digging deeper into independent publications, started collecting them, interacting with them. I remember one point, I contacted one of the editors of my favorite magazine and I was like you guys should do a Lagos issue that would be so cool um I also was working for a city discovery tech startup in London Mm -hmm. and in the team conversations about scaling up I remember they were talking about different cities and I was like oh you guys should do Lagos you guys should do Lagos but the response was like oh sure that Mm. would be nice you know that oh Mm -hmm. no that would be nice where you know yeah we're not gonna do that yeah (laughs) so for time (laughs) my excitement just turned to frustration because I was like Where is the magazine for me, Mm -hmm. for people like me? You know, the the magazines I interacted with, it's travel magazines, different cities around the world. Then they'll just have that one article about a safari in Kenya Mm -hmm. or the one article about Cape Town or the one um, article about Marrakesh. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, okay, yes, these places exist. They're well visited. But this is not the vision, the description. This is not Africa. Africa is so much, so much more. And I just got to a point where I was like, do you know what? I'm tired of asking for people to create these magazines. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create the magazine. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was like, yes, I have the vision. I have the idea. And I was excited. But I have no 
experience or no background in writing, in magazine production, the journey to where we are, it is, even when I think about it, it's amazing that, you know, the magazine exists. I have no technical skills. Mm -hmm. I just have a very strong desire to create mm -hmm. and a vision for execution. Even at times when I sit and I think back and I was like, okay, like when you think back about how you were growing up, mm -hmm. I know that I loved geography, I loved languages, I loved sociology. And when you put all of these together, you can establish a pattern, that there is a pattern that was interested in people, in culture, and in communities. It just took me a while to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I had a friend who, you know, we always just used to bounce ideas back and forth. And I remember telling him, and I was like, do you know what? Go for it. Like, you know a publication like this needs to exist mm -hmm. you know go ahead do it so that encouragement just spurred me on so at the beginning I um, started an Instagram page and what I did was I found um, content curators um, travel bloggers etc from different African cities or travelers who are maybe they're based in America or the UK but they were traveling back you know, to their own um, country. Mm -hmm. And they were taking amazing images and I was reposting and resharing and curating all of these images. Mm -hmm. And at that time, what I had in my mind was that, okay, I want the content I share to be informative. I want the content I share to be beautiful, to be of high quality. And I want it to be inspiring. I want people to be like, oh, wow, like this is, you know, part of the history of Eritrea. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is what the food is like, you know, in Lusaka, for example. Mm -hmm. I wanted to like stare those emotions in people so it was just um instagram at that time then from instagram i was like okay yes you know we're consuming so much content you see so many images you go you're seeing images i don't want people to to like and swipe left you know mm -hmm. i want them to have a bit more of a connection so at that time i like literally all the money i had saved i gave it to um, a website developer. I was like, okay, let's, you know, develop this website. Mm -hmm. And with the website, let's share longer stories. So it's not just an image. It's a story. It's a, it's a guide. It's um, someone sharing a recipe. It's a culture. Let's just have this that people are reading. So went to that format, but still I knew that I want to, like, Iri is a print magazine, mm -hmm. but it was just the how. How are we going to do this? And, um, the same friend again, Demi Lade, he was just like, do you know what's here? Let's just do it. Mm -hmm. And what actually like triggered it was um, randomly uh, a writer for Condé Nast Traveller UK. Mm -hmm. So they saw the page, Instagram, and they just sent me a message like, oh, that they're doing a feature on um, emerging regions and the journals who track them. That is Erie Journal, a magazine. I was like, yes, it's a magazine. It's like, okay, when is it going to be out? And I was like, at that time, that was 2018. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, the magazine is going to be out in 2019. And she's like, sure, perfect. So me saying it out there, putting it in print that mm -hmm. the magazine was going to be out in 2019 was literally the push that I needed. Like, okay, we've said this magazine is going to exist. Let's, Let's figure it, it out. Mm -hmm. Let's try and make it exist. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful story. That's like beautiful. you were literally like you you were spurred on like to you were spurred on into action by um, exactly. putting a date out into the universe, and then you did everything to make it happen after that. Exactly. That's great. Now speaking of you know you were starting a you know after this like after going from Instagram you're literally starting a business um, with Irene. So how did you go about securing um, funding for for Irene? You, you did mention that you put some of your savings into the website but in terms of like actual production and selecting like which you know magazine you're going to use and then having to like you know obviously post the magazine to different locations after people purchased it like how did you go about um the process of securing funding okay so like prior to that 
like I said, I just had the vision and I was doing what I could to move it forward. Mm -hmm. But then the fact that we had established a date, I was like, okay, this is not just an idea now. This is actually a thing. This is now a product. This needs to be fully formed. So um, Debbie Lade was then like, he was willing to come on board and he was like, do you know what? We can do this together. I have a couple of people who I feel, you know, we can create if we pull all of our skills together and create this. So no problem. Um, Yadi came on board, who's an artist. She's the art director of the magazine. Dabarichi, an editor. John, a uh, layout designer. So from it just being, okay, this idea, it became this fully-fledged team of people with different skill sets coming together. So, all right, yes, you want to cre- um, create this magazine, but, you know, it's also, like you said, it's a business. Mm-hmm. You have to produce, you have to print, you mm-hmm. have to pay contributors. So, because me, I'm very methodological. I, When I have a vision for something, I get tunnel vision, and that is all I am thinking about. So I researched, I planned, I strategized, I prayed, I followed and interacted with different publishers in the industry. Like, I was sending them emails, like, okay, um, you saw this magazine. Hi, I have, you know, the idea to set up this magazine. How can we do this? What Any advice you can give me? So I was literally spamming all of them with mm-hmm. no shame <laughs> literally any advice you can give me I'm, we- I'm willing and ready to you know to receive it mm-hmm. so obviously being very immersed in this community I was aware of Kickstarter so Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform for art music and various literary projects and most of the reputable magazines that I admired they either started there or they had some sort of presence on Kickstarter mm-hmm. so I knew that okay if Iri is going to I would say be in this certain league, you know, if we're going to be seen amongst our, you know, our contemporaries, mm-hmm. I felt that Kickstarter would be the platform to be. And then also, like, just starting off, I was thinking, like, do you know what, yeah, like, all these magazines that get funded on Kickstarter, they're magazines about dogs, they're yeah. magazines about, you know, broccoli, there's a magazine called Broccoli, I don't know if it's about cannabis or something, <laughs> they're, like, magazines about very, like, interesting things i would say uh-huh. so come on this is a magazine about african culture and travel this is different like yeah. we should make the money like we're good we're good mm-hmm. and then the thing with kickstarter is that it's um it's all or nothing yeah you either get all your money or if you don't get the money that's it so it was really scary i remember at the time Demi's like are you sure you want to do kickstarter why don't you do indiegogo because indiegogo whatever you raise Um, you get to keep. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, no, I don't want to be Indiegogo because, you know, I don't want people to think that, oh, this, you know, you know, those negative perceptions, like, ah, this new magazine from Africa that is on this um, crowdfunding platform that isn't very reputable, Mm -hmm. like, they wouldn't have that trust. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want people to feel that way. Let us be on the level that everyone's at, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and let's, and let's just know that we are doing every single thing we can to make sure we raise this money. And then he's like, okay, no problem. If you, if you're, if you're ready, you know, let's do it. So, um, when the Kickstarter were, I mean, trying to make the video, creating the page and we finally just launched the, you know, the, um, platform and it was the longest 33 days of my life, (laughs) you know, some, it's honestly, people think that you just put it there and people see it, you know, and it it grows organically. You Mm -hmm. have to direct people there. Mm -hmm. You have to show them, you know, Hey, this is our Kickstarter. I was messaging friends from secondary school in England. I haven't spoken to in ages. I was messaging professors from university, any single one, any, just like, please, Mm -hmm. whatever amount, you know, it will go towards making this vision. And, um, 
thankfully, what we realized was it actually wasn't naturally Kickstarter's community. It was our own family, our own friends, our own personal networks, a few people who saw it and just believed in the vision. And, you know, thankfully, we were able to raise, you know, 108% of our £8,000 goal, which covered like 80% of our funds mm-hmm. after. So after the, um, so we raised the money. So that money went towards paying our contributors. Mm-hmm. It went towards paying our printers. You know, it went towards like the initial setup cost. Like mm-hmm. we've designed this magazine. Now we have the money to print and pay the people that, you know, contributed towards it. But then eventually, after you've got all the magazines, we then do need to post it to all the people that, you know, pledged on kickstarter Mm -hmm. so we realized that with the money that was left it wasn't enough to cover our initial shipping cost Mm. so i then went you know get like a loan from family and friends you know one of those flexible loans that we will still pay back but just help us to get up you know get off and start moving so thankfully with that we're able to you know start delivering to backers and then set up you know, the website for purchasing, for people to be purchasing, which eventually started covering our shipping costs in that way. Mm. Thank you for sharing. Um, I can definitely relate about, um, started about, you know, putting your project on a crowdfunding space because um, a couple of years ago, I had a, a web series, like a docu web series that my friends and I were doing and we were trying to um, film an episode in Malawi. So we used a crowdfunding platform and we raised enough money to go to Malawi and shoot this episode of this show, which, um, you know, is like, and it was, again, like most of the money came from people that we know. So like you're saying, you messaging Uh people, like that's a good way of going about it, of like getting your, your friends and family involved because they know you. So they're the ones who are like more likely to believe in you before even a stranger believes in you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but that's, that, that's great that you managed to get the funding. Um, now, um, Irene is released twice a year, and previously you mentioned that when you were um, you you had pitched um, to different uh, magazines to be you gave them the, the the suggestion of doing an episode um a, 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 a issue dedicated to Lagos um, in Nigeria. Um, so I noticed that your um, one of your issues focuses on Nigeria, and they're based on cities. You you do a city um, approach. Um, so why did you decide yeah. to approach curating the magazine um, in this particular way? Um, First of all, it came out of my love for travel. So I wanted, and not just generally just traveling and, okay, this is the places to go, this is the places to see, but just kind of the idea of traveling deeper and travel as a way of um, connecting with culture, you know, tasting the food, um, listening to the music, buying the arts, that type of connection with travel. Mm -hmm. So I, I... I just felt that, you know, it would be nice to focus on one city and focus on the different aspects of the culture in that city. So if it, it could be music, it could be film, it could be fashion, all the different layers that make the city what it is. So like you said, with this issue, we started with Lagos because Lagos is, you know, where I live, it's where I'm from. So that was easier to navigate. But the vision is, you know, the, um, the magazine should move and focus on the width and depth of the continent. Mm -hmm. So we're moving across. So now we've done Lagos, which is in West Africa. We would like to then go to, you know, a city in East Africa, a city in North Africa, South Africa. So we really are an African culture and travel magazine, not just a West African culture and travel magazine, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when we are like focusing on these different places, you know, places that maybe they aren't well known or they're misunderstood. And with the hopes of just trying to help people 
understand or just update their perspectives regarding that place. You know, sometimes you have an idea like, okay, for instance, just like randomly, like, oh, it'd be really nice to cover Asmara. Like, I, I don't hear that many people, you know, talking about Eritrea. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it could be like, maybe there's a revitalization that's currently happening in a particular city. Like, for instance, last year, there was a lot of, you know, conversation around Ghana mm-hmm. with regards to the year of return. Yes. So, for instance, now it could have been like, okay, let's, you know, let's focus on Ghana, let's focus on Accra, let's add to that conversation because mm-hmm. that is what's being spoken about. Or it could just be we have a network that's in, for instance, a network in Kigali. Mm-hmm. We know a few people in Kigali and they're like, do you know what? We would love to, you know, tell our own stories. We would love to have Erie in this city and we could. So different things influence, you know, the decision as to what city we focus on and such. But we just really feel on curating it via, like with a city-based approach so you can just get different aspects of that city, different vibes. Like you're reading about, you know, one city but you're reading about so many different layers and with the magazine what we do is that we split it into the past and present because mm-hmm. you know as an african our history is very important to who we are mm-hmm. it's it's either that you're maybe you're passionate about it and you're studying but then some cities or some people they don't really know they figured out that they have you know um connections to like for instance Dakar but you don't know much about Dakar and you would like to know much you know so let's tell people you know this is what this city has to offer let the people from those cities you know tell their own stories we're not waiting for anyone to come and start telling the stories for us let's tell our own stories yes think you know for instance yes when you talk about Lagos you talk about traffic you talk about all sorts of stuff like okay yes those things are true Mm -hmm. but that is not only narrative there's so many different layers there's so many different things that are happening so those are the like thought processes that inspire the way we curate and create the magazine great um thank you for sharing um i can't wait for your lusaka issue actually like in my head i'm like (laughs) it's gonna be great (laughs) (laughs) so when you're ready to do that like hit me up and like yeah you you you're welcome to come to zambia and we'll make a plan Yes, that is that is well, like, that's the type of you know that's the type of chat I like to hear. Like, yes, like let's go to Lusaka. Let's let's talk about what is really happening. Let's show the world the beauty, the richness in the culture, you know. And yeah. let's just be like, you know, here it is. Have it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that um, you know Lusaka is one of those cities that um it's like a, a lot of people call it like uh you know like one of those cities that you just stop over in when you're on your way somewhere because mm-hmm. we have like victoria falls which is like you know one of our greatest um tourist attractions in zambia but that's located in the south in uh in Livingston yeah. in um livingston which is a town in the southern part of zambia but lusaka is like in the central part of zambia so a lot of and then also like we have a lot of national parks but the national parks are spread out between North Zambia, South and West Zambia. So we don't get much when people are coming to Zambia, like now there are ways of getting a flight from, you know, you can get a flight from Nairobi or from South Africa. And then it just directly goes to like, you know, Vic Falls where, you know, the, the waterfall are. So you get to, you, you, you don't get to pass Lusaka. Sometimes you fly into Lusaka and you're just staying there for a few hours or a night. And then you get on your plane and you go to like the national park, then you leave, you know, the yeah. same way. So it's one of those cities that, you know, I, li- I live there and I love, you know, Lusaka. Um, you know, it has its, you know, its great things and its bad things like every African city. But I do feel like it has so much potential to be more than just a stopover town. So I think, yeah, like, you know, it's great when, when magazines like Irin spotlight, you know, the lesser heard towns, like you mentioned before with Eritrea, for instance. 
yeah, that, that I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, what are your favorite? I want to know what your favorite African cities are, um, or even if, or if you are um, encouraging someone who's never been to the continent, which African cities would you tell them to visit, and why? Hmm. So the funny thing about me, which is I'm, which is also what's airy inspired in me, was the desire to travel Africa more. Mm-hmm. So there are cities that. I have an idea of, but I, I really want to kind of dive deeper into to get a feel of what it's like over there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then one of them is 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 Rabat. Mm. In it's it's Rabat in, in Morocco. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like I, I read a couple of stories on it and it just feels like somewhere that, you know, this what is being showcased is is not a lot as to what is really going on there. And I was like, I would actually really like to visit, apart from, you know, visiting Casablanca and Marrakesh, but I'd actually like to see what it's like in Rabat. I was fortunate to go to um, Cape Verde in December, mm-hmm. but I went to I went to Sal, and Sal is literally their touristic town, mm-hmm. and literally what made me go there was because they started doing direct flights from Lagos to Sal. So definitely mm-hmm. um, accessibility is a big thing when it comes to traveling Africa. And so I, I in in before going to the trip, before going on the trip, I was reading about Cape Verde and learning about the, you know the different um, different islands and what's going on there. And I just felt like it would be really nice to you know to visit one of their lesser known um, islands. Mm-hmm. Like okay, yeah, Sal. Right. Even when I went to Sal, so I kind of I interacted with um, a local tour guide, and he was just expressing how like dissatisfied he was with the the European travel agencies are kind of telling people not to use the local tour guides and kind of painting a negative image and it was just kind of like you know this is my city this yeah. is my country mm-hmm. you're coming here exploiting us and driving market away from us and mm-hmm. he took me to Erspargos which was where most people who lived in Sal I mean who worked in Sal, that's where they lived. They actually lived in Espargos. So they, he said that there'll be a bus that'll pick them up from Espargos and take them to Santa Maria, which was the main like touristic city in um, in, in Cape Verde, Sal. Mm-hmm. So seeing um, the seeing Espargos and seeing this is actually where real people live, you know, this is where they go about their life. It was really interesting and it just kind of made me want to visit other you know, other islands that are less touristic, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not just everything that's been glamorized. You know, it's easy to paint a picture and say, okay, this is where to go. This is where to see. But where there's actual real life, that is somewhere that just um, inspired me to go and visit. Mm-hmm. And also, I also, this is, but this one is, 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 is an obvious one. I've never been to South Africa. So mm-hmm. I would love to go to South Africa, to go to Johannesburg, to go to Cape Town and mm-hmm. to just see more of these African cities. What about you? Where, where would you like to go or visit? Um, well, I've, I've been wanting to go to Lagos for a while um, because I, I mean, you know, the music and the culture and the food, <laughs> even in particular the arts. Like I'm dying to go to um, the, is it, the Nikkei Art Gallery um, in Lagos. Yeah. Um, I see it on Instagram all the time and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'd love to go there. Um, I'd love to go to CCA Lagos um, Gallery as uh. well and um, and other African cities that I would love to, I would love to go to Kigali actually. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to go there Kigali. soon. Um, if the coronavirus ends, uh, there's a travel conference happening in October for African. Well, it's a uh, it's geared towards Black and African travel um, bloggers. Okay. 
um so i would love to go to kigali um i haven't been to cape town i've been to joburg i haven't been to cape town so i'd love to go to cape town i would love to go to marrakesh dakar everywhere but my favorite african city that i <laughs> my favorite african city that i've actually been to is um one of my favorite african cities that i've traveled to is uh, addis ababa ethiopia um yeah and that's I mean, I guess I'm biased because I did. I did my high school there. I lived there for um, five years, and my parents lived there for eight okay. years. So I would go. Like I used to go visit quite often. And I don't know. There's just something uh, about the city that's it's old meets new, and that like appeals to me so uh, much because you know uh-huh. Ethiopia was never colonized, so they have that history. That's like they still have the culture. They still have the history that's still there. That's very untouched. Uh-huh. And then you know, like I remember the street that we lived on. Um, it was like um. It was a main. It was a main street. So we would literally have. You would see like a donkey and a horse, like right outside. Like you, when you're standing on the balcony, you can literally see the donkey on the street. And then you'd see like the um, those Indian the the tuk tuks as well. And yeah. then you'd see like you literally. Then you'd see like the latest model of a car. And then you'd see a taxi. <laughs> and it was just like crazy that like all oh, this is existing on the same street. Mm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's you know to be honest when you even say and i'm thinking i was like to be quite honest yeah like because i haven't traveled extensively there are so many places on my list mm-hmm. so when you said Addis, i was like oh my god yes Addis Ababa, yes that's where i want to go i also would love to go to tunisia mm-hmm. i don't know why but i was just like tunisia is somewhere that i'll love to explore i went to egypt a long time ago when i was young mm-hmm. but i'd like to go back again you know i just feel like there's just so much in these various there's so much to be discovered mm-hmm. you know on the continents there's so many you know east north west south each each region has a different spirit has a different energy mm-hmm. and there's so much potential apart from you know the obvious things like okay if you're going to you know zambia or whatever the obvious tourist tropes there's other things that need that same amount of love you know exactly so yeah i definitely agree Agreed, agreed. I'm, I'm, I'm planning a road trip in my head right now. <laughs> like, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go here. But I mean, it's, it's great that you did mention accessibility as one of the challenges that we face as Africa. And um, yesterday I was, li- I was um, on a webinar, which was um, it brought together different leaders of um, African tourism in one space. And it was literally a, a talk about how Corona is going to change the African travel and tourism industry. And um, one of the most interesting things that was mentioned by the director of South Africa tourism, he said that, you know, after Corona, like his hope is that it's actually going to inspire African countries to, you know, um, it, to implement the visa. The, I mean, the, the African passport, um, first of all, which, yeah. you know, is going to allow more people to move about and then also to um, to free up the airspaces. So to yeah. allow more African airlines to you know operate in different African cities. So I mean I'm hoping that like it's one of the you know one of the things that do come out of this period of uncertainty is that there you know because people after being cooped up for so long we're all going to want to like leave our houses and travel to places <laughs> and you know exactly. within the continent and we do want to travel within the continent we do want to spend our money in the continent but it has to be made easier for us to travel to the continent like because I know you mentioned Cape Verde and I remember reading yeah. Um, for other people that don't have direct access there, you mentioned they got to start a direct route, but like I would hear that like, people would have to fly to I think Portugal and then fly back to Cape Verde, which is ridiculous. You have to leave the continent mm-hmm. to fly back to the continent <laughs> to come back. Exactly, literally, it makes no sense. Yeah, and it takes so much time, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Like, and again, that increases the cost because now you're taking two, uh, you know, two airplanes instead of taking one. So one, I know, I know. And which is like when you really think about the landscape, which is why, like, for instance, travel around Europe is dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many budget airlines. They're so interconnected. Like you could see. Like, for instance, for the pound value, a 30-pound flight from London to Italy. And I was, because I really wanted to travel um, Easter. Mm-hmm. So I was researching, like, where I could go. And Kigali was somewhere that was on my list. And then I saw Abidjan and also Dakar. I really wanted to do Dakar. And the cost at the time, it was 250,000 naira. And for that same amount, I can get a cheap flight to London. Mm-hmm. So the average Nigerian is like, why am I spending that money to go to, you know, to go to Dakar when I can go to London? True. What, what is there in Dakar? What do I want to do in Dakar when I can go to London? So yeah. it's like, one, it's, you know, the cost. And also it's the education that people don't know that actually, if you do go to Dakar, these are the different experiences you can have, mm-hmm. you know, so that kind of led me down um, a rabbit hole of curating a perfect like Senegal like trip like mm-hmm. I was like okay go to go to Dakar then from Dakar go to um 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 island of Ngor see um oh, what's the other place um Gori see Gori mm-hmm. go to um Tuba all the different places you know St. Louis and but not everyone was going to start researching that. Not yeah. everyone is going to think about, you know, this is how I can travel Africa. These are the different places. So it, I think it's on, the onus is then on us for people who know or are passionate to show people that it is possible. You know, if you do go to this particular African city, this is what you can see. Mm-hmm. This is what you can do, you know. But the main thing is accessibility, why am I going to, you know, fly two planes to get to one location when I could do one? And it was crazy that even because um, Cabo Verde Airlines launched direct flights from Lagos, mm-hmm. literally almost every Nigerian, loads of people from Lagos, December to January, went to Cape Verde because one, no visa. Two, it was affordable. Three, it was also a really, it was an island. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why? Like, people are ready to spend. People are ready to travel. You just need to make, you know, make it easier, make the landing softer. But hopefully, you know, corona helps the people in, you know, the leadership and all of that to start thinking about the possibility in African travel. And I really do hope that that is something that, you know, comes across. Yeah, highly agreed. And, um, you know, you're talking about how it's up to us to showcase Africa leads me into um, the significance of African travel bloggers and vloggers and influencers, because these are for me, these are people that I look at now, you know, and I go on Instagram, I want to go to a city that I've never been to before, before I even go to like, look at like, you know, a Western guidebook or whatever, I will go and look at and see if I know any African travel bloggers or vloggers who are living in that particular country because they definitely give a more uh-huh. authentic view of you know their city yeah. um so i wanted to know do you have any specific african travel um influencers that you follow that you um could recommend that some of um the listeners or myself um also follow um yes i i completely agree like even if 
even if it's not Africa, if I want to travel anywhere, I would look for a blog post about it, that anyone that's gone there, what was their experience like? I'll research all of that information. So I follow loads of travel bloggers. Um, the ones that are coming to my mind are some of the OG travel bloggers. There's um, Lee Lutumbe of Spirited Pursuit. Mm-hmm. She is... Um, American and of Cameroonian descent. She creates amazing content and she's been traveling across Africa since she moved from the US to Dakar. I also follow Amarachi Ikekwe. So she's a Nigerian travel blogger mm-hmm. and she's been tra- she travels around the continent and also around Nigeria itself. Because even without looking, you know, regionally without looking at you know africa as a whole you can still travel nigeria there are places in nigeria that can be explored Mm -hmm. and people don't do that so i i like when i see people like there's this collective called unraveling nigeria so they go to different states they go to calabar they go to bauchi different states and they show people like you know these are actually the things we have here Mm -hmm. under our nose I also, I love, love Jessica from the Ufwama. So she's Nigerian Canadian mm-hmm. and she, she travels. Um, I wouldn't say so much Africa, but she's just a Nigerian traveler that creates amazing content. I love, um, doing from move with doing she's also co-founder of a travel collective wind collective and also hannah ajala they both founded black british travel meetup so they're trying to encourage you know black british travelers to you know travel the continent and to travel you know around the world so also hannah she's also been traveling around west africa so she was in gambia senegal and um, she's now in Lagos. And I remember speaking to her and I was asking her, you know, because I, when I wanted to go to Dakar, I was like, oh, how is Dakar and how did you find it? And she was like, she actually didn't like it that much. Mm. Like, her experience of it was different, mm. you know. And those are percept like perceptions only get from relating to someone you know and she was like to be quite honest like Dakar is difficult to navigate if you don't understand French mm-hmm. and it was really it was actually dawned on me because I had this idea of going to Dakar I have I know little or no you know no French mm-hmm. but I was like okay you know if I have a drive if I'm able to get like a car and all of this sorted out I'll be able to move and when she said that I was like oh actually is Dakar actually feasible without having at least one person or a guide or someone to show you so those are the type of conversations or the things I like you know when you connect with you know travel bloggers or vloggers so those people are the top ones that come to my mind right now in terms of people I follow I know there's another girl I can't remember her name but I know her handle is mm. just Re- just Ryoba oh Winnie I also her name uh-huh. is Winnie yeah she's from Kenya so Winnie has been um a guest on the Wendy Wino podcast she's a good friend to the show she was on that's actually on the very first uh, episode of the first season um, oh, and then she was actually on the last, the most recent episode of the season two of the podcast. She kicked us off. So Winnie's great. And I love you mentioned Jessica Ufuma because Jessica was also a guest. She did, um, okay. an, she was the last guest for season one and she did an episode, um, about how to increase your chances of getting a visa to visit, uh, mm. any country. And then also Hannah is going to be a guest in the podcast. So I love that you're mentioning people that are, you know, <laughs> going to be part of the Wendy Wino podcast or part of the Wendy Wino mm-hmm. podcast family. So that's awesome. So you're in great company. <laughs> <laughs> great, 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 great. Yeah. But I love that you mentioned, um, how, um, you spoke to Hannah, she mentioned her experience in certain cities because again, like, you know, when the thing with Instagram and social media is that it like promotes most of the time, like the positive images of a, of a country, Um, or city and then you know sometimes like things just don't go how you plan or sometimes what the thing everyone is hyping 
it's not something mm-hmm. you know when you go there just like oh this is what you were talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. oh this is it really yeah oh. <laughs> but i mean you know i mean but that's the same for any and i think that's important is because you know when you go even when people go to new york for like the first time for instance like people are fascinated with like oh. new york and then times square and then you go there and people are like oh my gosh like people would be telling me like oh my gosh your city is so dirty <laughs> <laughs> that's so true because i actually remember someone one of my friends she tweeted that and she she said that when she went to times square she's like yo is is this it you know, I know. is this the Times square everyone talks about so it, it is true it is true we we tend which is i guess not only travel and it's life generally we promote the beautiful we promote the highlights we promote the best things you know a travel blogger is more successful if your images are beautifully taken beautifully edited the colors that everything is popping you know mm-hmm. nobody wants to see it if it's like empty or dirty but sometimes that is the reality mm-hmm. so it's for you to balance the reality with you know expect you know expectations knowing that you know not everything is as it seems and then also one person's experience of a place is going to be completely different from your own experience Mm -hmm. of a place Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make any other person's experience less valid just because like for instance hannah didn't like dakar doesn't mean you might not like dakar Mm -hmm. you know so those are just different things that you know you you bear in mind i guess yeah for sure um yeah i mean i think yeah you made a great point like it's all about and i think also it's just managing expectations and like not going into too much expectation but then also like you know just also being allowed to you know to revel in the fact that something may not necessarily you know have been what you expected or appeal to you and i think also there's also something to be said for like return visits like i love to go to i I love to go back to places that i've been to before um and sometimes it just takes like going with different people or seeing it through a different lens or going again and going to a different part of the country you know so not completely writing off a place i'm never gonna go there Mm -hmm. because you know i had like not a great time so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Mimi, um, I would like to thank you so much for being on the um, Wednesday We Know podcast, and um, I wanted to um, ask you where we can keep up with you on social media, where we can keep up with um, Irene on social media. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed our conversation on travel. So you can find Irene Journal on Instagram. Our handle is at the earring journal so i'll just spell that out Mm -hmm. t-h-e-i-r-i-n-j-o-u-r-n-a-l and that's our handle for twitter as well our website is www.earringjournal.com and from there you can you know shop the magazine you can interact with our community on social media and yeah hopefully you know people like our magazine our vision and what we are about Great. Um, when can we expect um, the next issue to come out? <laughs> Million dollar question. I don't know. Miss Miss Corona is affecting situations. That's so, true. That's but true. Um, hopefully, hopefully, sometime soon, we make an announcement with regards to our next direction. Okay. Great. Um, <laughs> so you can listen to previous episodes or this episode of the Mwendo We Know podcast by going on spotify we're on google podcast we're on soundcloud anchor and player fm we're also on twitter at when do we know which is m-w-e-n-d-e-b-w-i-n-o we're also on instagram at when did we know 
podcasts so you can subscribe to those episodes and interact with us let us know which uh what guests you would like to um appear on the window we know podcast so mimi um in zambia when someone is going on a on a journey we tell them um when day we know but i know that you know the current situation people are not really going anywhere but for the sake of tradition <laughs> i will say travel well um and when day we know Thank you very much. You're welcome.